0: Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting happiness with Lisa cypress Cayman is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Lisa cypress Cayman is a wide widely recognized applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in the fields of sustainable happiness, mindfulness, and integrated well-being. Let's get to it. Here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, broadcasting consciously prepared brain food from the beaches of Malibu, California. Each week, we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart. And this show is most definitely all about the heart. Well, today we're talking about a subject that I love to continually and mindfully revisit. And this is perspectives on meditation, mindfulness, and spirituality and the impact that these practices make upon our personal happiness. And my guest today is Lama Surya Das. He is one of the foremost Western Buddhist meditation teachers and scholars. The Dalai Lama affectionately calls him the American Lama. He has spent over 45 years studying Zen, Vipassana, Yoga, and Tibetan Buddhism with many of the great old masters of Asia, among them some of the Dalai Lama's own teachers. Lama Surya Das is an authorized lama in the Tibetan Buddhist order, a leading spokesperson for Buddhism and contemporary spirituality. He's also a translator, poet, meditation master, chant master, and spiritual activist. And he's also the author of international best-selling books, the uh, Awakening Trilogy, Awakening the Buddha Within, Awakening to the Sacred, and Awakening to the Buddhist Heart, as well as his latest book, Make Me One with Everything, Buddhist Meditations to Awaken Us from the Illusion of Separation. Welcome, Lama.
2: Thank you, Lisa. It makes me happy to be here.
1: Oh, and- me too. makes me happy to have you here. Wonderful. Let's talk about um, your latest book, Make Me One With Everything, Buddhist Meditations to Awaken from the Illusion of Separation. What was your inspiration for writing this book?
2: Um, well, I've written over a dozen books of various kinds, you know, in this field, of course, spiritual practice, self-inquiry, awakening, opening the heart, illumining the mind, and so on. Um, the Dalai Lama has been encouraging us all lately, and he even said to me a couple of years ago to take it out of the meditation centers and retreats and to the campuses and you know to the public and not to me- encourage the difference between the sacred and everyday life. So that encouraged me very much to be more spiritually activist. And not just to lead retreats and translate the lamas and Tibetan books, texts, and songs and all, but to really take it to the young people and even learn a little more about things I'm not that easy with, really, like social media and all, you know, new media, et cetera, fast media, but to meet people where they are. So, and, and to see through my own separations of like thinking that that's not for me or, um, I want to be more spiritual rather than busy or worldly involved. And so I'm feeling like integrating into daily life is the name of the game today, not seclusion or reclusiveness (laughs) in our increasingly interdependent, interwoven era. If we don't pull together, we're definitely going to be pulled apart. And we can see this in so many levels today, outer and even inner, if we look closely.
1: What I, what I hear you say hear you saying also is about making the work more user-friendly, or not the work, but the, but the, yes. the experience of mindfulness yeah. and meditation, that it's um, yes. absence of labels,
2: you know? Right, beyond labels and beyond distinctions. And also, if we were going to talk about it really at a personal level, beyond separateness means seeing through the illusion of separate self and being less egotistical and selfish, not to mention narcissistic, and more empathic, learning to feel what others feel, more connected, and so on, which brings a lot of happiness and wellness and less loneliness and isolation, and uh, see through the walls between ourselves and others, not to mention not building walls, and I won't go further with that into our political scene today. (laughs)
1: Well, we can touch upon it. We can have a good giggle about it anyways, even though it's not a laughing matter.
2: No, it's not. And I hope people are going to vote and let their voices be heard. Otherwise, who knows what's going to happen?
1: I I agree with you. And in fact, we um, have devoted an entire episode that um, will be airing very soon about um, making sure people know how— to register to vote, to get out, to register to vote, because it is essential, you know, to exercise not only the right and privilege, but our voices, you know, when we, all of us want to be seen, heard and understood when we talk about happiness, right?
2: Right. Of course. And we can't be happy alone. I mean, we can be happy momentarily alone, but how can I be happy really medium or long-term if my partner my family my neighbors, my country, my world is unhappy, or if the globe is unhappy and degraded, you know, the environment and de- degradation we face. So happiness goes deep, all the way to contentment and fulfillment and well-being for one and all, not just a moment on the lips, like chocolate or some other treat.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I, um, I really believe that This uh, illusion of separation is something that we need to really address and doing so in a language so people can understand it. You know, it's not just the special pitch that only dogs can hear, but really making it very available to all. And in the past, a lot of the teachings and the meditations and the um, Buddhist texts and traditions, people perhaps have felt intimidated by And what I hear you saying is the direction of the work and where the Dalai Lama is guiding everybody is to to really write and connect with people on a very, very human level to um, demonstrate how that how we are not separate. How about how about my joy, my well-being is interconnected to yours and vice versa?
2: Yes, exactly. and. To recognize, or at least to look into the possibility of recognizing our interconnectedness, our interbeing, as Thich Nhat Hanh, the great Zen master of Vietnam and social activist, Peace Master, calls it, interbeing. That's why in this new book, Make Me One With Everything, Seeing Through the Illusions of Separateness, I invented the term intermeditation or co-meditation. How we can awaken together, and not just how we can meditate together or pray together or chant together, which of course we can. But how we can connect with nature, meditate, inter-be, inter-meditate, co-meditate with, like I love the water elements, so lakes, rivers, ocean, some other people like sky or space or earth or mountain, gardening. How we can co-meditate in nature or with our pet, just being with our pet or with a child, especially when they're sleeping. If we go in their room, all the angels seem to be there, co-meditating with our child. Whether they know it or not, good for us. So we connect with all beings and not just human beings, all beings who are all endowed with the luminous Buddha nature or divine nature, as we call it, who all have right to life. Connect with all beings, human and otherwise, not just our beloved family or lovers, not just our beloved pets or our neighborhood, but all beings, seen and unseen, human and otherwise
1: so the concept of of intermeditation or co-meditation is, is not very complicated. And for our listeners uh, for whom this may be a new concept, ex- explain how it's done. Because it's really a very uh, lovely, uh, non-thinking process of connecting with who and what's around you.
2: Yes, we all know how to do this. Like as children, we used to lie down in the grass and look at the sky. So I'm calling that co-meditation with the sky. We kind of forget our worries and dissolve a bit or a lot. So we all know how to do this, but we've kind of forgotten. So maybe it's co-meditating with your lover and looking into each other's eyes or having a nature walk and not being plugged into the earphones and, and, and the cell phone and the grid and just really breathing together and being together. We could be sitting, facing each other, meditation style. I mean... A, Zen, a Japanese Zen master said hugging was the great American meditation. He said, Americans ah. don't want to sit still for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Hugging, just do it at least for 10 seconds or, or three seconds, not too quick. <laughs> so ah. that's, oh, meditation, let's not be square. You know, when you <laughs> hug somebody in the best sense, you really drop everything and you're just there and you're giving and take, getting at the same time. That's co meditation. So we can extend that to with our pet. With the things we love, maybe co-meditating with music. It doesn't have to be silent, but I would advise maybe don't have the words.
1: Yeah. I want to say something about the hug and and the the, the hugging meditation. Why hugging is such a delicious, juicy satisfying, calming experience is because when it's done, I believe the the golden number is six seconds or more. It releases oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone that allows us to feel so connected and relaxed. So it is such a powerful, good thing.
2: Yes. I've read into that research. There's a lot of good neuroscience, what I call neurodharma with the overlap of spirituality and meditation and awakening uh, today. And some say 11 seconds or six seconds get those happy hormones flowing and less of the stress hormones and so on.
1: It's an ame- immediate uh, sense soother. We are going to need to take a break, and I want to give our listeners um, your connection places and spaces to learn more about Lama Surya Das, his work, and, of course, his newest book, Make Me One With Everything, Buddhist Meditations to Awaken from the Illusion of Separation. Please visit www.surya.org. On Twitter, that handle is Lama Surya Das, And on Facebook, that page is Lama Surya Das. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. And when we return, we'll carry on the conversation of making meditation, mindfulness, and presence more user-friendly for all. Here come the tunes. We shall return. That's a promise.
3: We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on TogiNet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on t shirts, baseball
4: caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com.
0: Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress Cayman has made her first ebook, "Got Happiness Now: Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life," available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com.
3: Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on TogiNet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on TogiNet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen.
1: Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this podcast. Why? Because it's kind, it's free, it's legal, it's available 24 7, and caring is sharing. We're talking today with my guest, Lama Surya Das, who is the author of Make Me One with Everything, Buddhist Meditations to Awaken from the Illusion of Separation. And prior to the break, Lama and I were talking about intermeditation, co-meditation, ways of connecting with ourselves, with others, with our environments in a very seamless, effortless, transparent way. Lama, let's talk about... um, in your book, you talk about the concepts of nowness, nowness, awareness, and practicing of presencing. Talk a little bit about how these concepts apply to our everyday lives and how we can begin using them in a very simple
2: way. Yes, Lisa, thanks. I'd love to. Um, if we wish or intend to integrate mindful awareness, being more calm and clear and attentive into daily life. I think we need to go beyond the square or traditional notion that meditation is just sitting with your eyes closed and being quiet. Of course, there are different kinds of meditation, walking meditation, chanting meditation, eyes open, visualizations and other things. But besides that, back to integrating to daily life. So I coined the term, of course, it's been around presencing, making presence into a verb, being Having more presence of mind. I'm going to make a joke here. Pay attention. Mind <laughs> is bigger than yours. <laughs> so, so being in the big mind, the inclusive, not trying to get away from it all, so we can find the needle in a haystack, like Buddha inside or enlightenment inside. This is about awakening, wakefulness. Enlightenment means awakening, realizing who and what we truly are and can be. So bring this into daily life, presencing, cultivating, being more present and attentive. Mindful rather than mindless. This is part of what we call Tibetan mindfulness or Tibetan awareness training. Being mindful or aware, being even awake in your dreams and knowing you're asleep and dreaming, and then you can play with the dreams. and Realize you're the magician. You're not at the effect. You're more at cause. You're the master rather than the victim of causes and circumstances. And then carrying that on into daily life. So this Tibetan mindfulness awareness training frees us and it helps us fulfill what we, our wishes and aspirations and be happier. And Buddha said, even when you're calm and clear and, and unselfish and loving, the wrinkles fall from your face. So even that kind of benefit is there. Not to mention inner peace and harmony with others and enlightenment and melting health and wellness and so forth.
1: I love what you just said about the, being happy, that that the wrinkles fall from your face.
2: As Buddha mentioned that, one of the 10 or 11 benefits of loving kindness meditation. I loved it when I found that in original texts.
1: I'm writing that down. But I want I want to repeat your tweetable of the day because I think it's so fabulous. Mind is bigger than yours.
2: Yes, and yours is the separate self. And mind or heart mind, Buddha mind... The spirit, sacred heart, whatever you call it, cosmic mind, divine mind, it sounds too mental in English. Yeah. Well, Where it's, heart, it's con- evolved consciousness is bigger than yours. And that's the direction, friends, if you want it. That's the direction.
1: Well, I think that is, I mean, that is the only direction to be traveled if we want to find that place of
2: equanimity. Yes. And that's about inclusiveness, not exclusiveness, and noticing the interconnections, not just separate things, but connecting the dots, seeing the constellations in the sky, not just the individual stars, so seeing how we're, we're all connected, which brings, at least to me and to many of us, a feeling of appreciation for all that's given. I mean, I didn't create all this or where I'm at in life. My parents and family and society and forebears had a lot to do with this. So grateful, gratitude is also part of being more present, awake, and aware. Awakefulness, mindfulness, being more aware helps in so many levels, outer and inner, individual and collective. What's the alternative, Lisa? Being mindless? Being mindless is a wheel, brings so many, quote, accidents. Even though there are no accidents, there are causes. And mindlessness is a big cause of so many accidents, and undesirable consequences. But mindfulness, being more aware, practicing, cultivating, presencing with every step, with every breath, awareness of our our speaking habits, makes us better listeners, it'll improve our relationships, and we can fulfill our wishes, dreams, and aspirations in really a transpersonal, not just a selfish way, but including all those we're connected to.
1: When we talk about mindlessness, um, in, in my observation and in my own personal experience, that mindlessness is a chief contributor to needless suffering.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Mindlessness is a big part of it. I mean, Buddha's analysis of why we suffer is from ignorance or not knowing how things really are and how they work. Huh. It's like being obscured. When we clear our windshield, we see a lot better what's always there. So awareness, practice, meditation self-inquiry, there are many ways to do these things, helps clear our vision, our windscreen, and we see what's there. And it's always there, right here, right now. That's the secret of the holy now, of nowness awareness, as we call it in Tibetan. Nowness, being fully present and accounted for, is the ultimate therapy, my dear friends. There's no past or future conditioning. There's no worries or anxiety in this moment. Beyond the past and, and the future yeah.
1: the holy now i I think I think that is fantastic that, that the, the holy now when we practice the holy now, um, our safety is guaranteed
2: exactly and we're totally secure and and there's no separate eye to worry we don't have our history of whatever we hold on to our miserable childhood or resentments or whatever or anxiety or worries about the future there's just now and now. And now, of course, we can still function in time, plan, save for our children's college fund or whatever. This is about the middle way, balance and moderation and appropriateness, not just one sided, but yeah. we're so much in the linear. We're almost never in the now, in the, in the transcendent, in the um, all inclusive, the divine time, as the Christian mystics call it not just caught up in past, present, and future, ordinary human time in which everything ages and passes away.
1: I think it's important to also talk about um, life on the on the earthly plane, you know, in, in, in this sense, that what I, I hear you saying, and I and it is we're not talking about divesting oneself of his or her earthly possessions, about saving for your children's college fund, about the um, pleasure received in buying or having. What we're talking about, going back to what you said about the middle way, is finding a place of balance and, and a, a counterpoint to the pressures and stresses stresses and pulls of daily life. Exactly
2: that. It's, the problem is not things or possessions. It's, do we have the things or do they have us? They totally have a hold over us. And you know what I'm talking about, especially if you or people you know are in debt or shopaholics or just always looking for the next new thing and never enjoying or sa- savoring, satisfying whatever one has. So it, balance, it's about the middle way, not all or nothing, not nihilism, nothing matters, and not materialism. Everything is as real as it seems, or oh, it only matters what I can weigh and, and, and hold. No, there's a middle way, there's a spectrum there. Of, For example, rebalancing need and greed we all have legitimate needs. and then, But sometimes greed takes over and brings those kind of problems. Um, re- rebalancing uh, even our, how we talk, you know, if you're in a relationship, words like always or never, you know, you always, you never, really <laughs> erode, erode the relationship. So, you know, just, it's not all or nothing. So yeah. we don't have to throw it all away. But if we see through the illusion of separateness, and that's why I have these many chapters on different kinds of co-meditation for befriending ourselves, befriending the world, for developing empathy, seeing through the world through the other's eyes. Um, The mama and the papa sutras about love and tantra and family and how the home is the temple and the family is the spiritual community and sacred and all and, how love goes all the way from personal to divine. The the personal love is just the tip of the warm iceberg, the hot iceberg of divine love. So it's a portal. If we can't love one, I guarantee you we probably will never love all. So these are some co-meditations. Also, uh, sacred sex and tantra and love in Chapter 4 about relationships is how to bring us into our sex life and and, and not just be greedy and needy and a sexaholic either. So there's a lot of ways to kneel and touch the earth in in a sacred way, as the poet Ruby says, infinite ways. Every moment is an opportunity for this kind of sacred living. Even Even at work, even at home, there's no problem. There's no separation. And seeing through the illusion of separateness, we need to look into this, helps free us, from so much of our exhausting pushing and pulling, grasping and grabbing and worrying, we can really enjoy who and what we are and, and love the one you're with, as the song goes. Love the one Yes,
1: love, love the one you're with. And it, it, even if that one is yourself, and maybe that's the, the well, biggest challenge of all, right? Yes, yes.
2: Oh, self-compassion self-acceptance you don't hear enough about this friends self-compassion is so important not just compassion or kindness to others give yourself a break for a change loving kindness to oneself wish yourself well not just selfishly of course wishing others well loving kindness practice is very important benevolence blessing others but how about blessing and wishing yourself wishing yourself well friends wherever you go whatever you do mm. Every out, including mistakes, no problem. It's all part of it.
1: Yeah, it's it's part of the curriculum,
2: right? Exactly. <laughs> we, we are don't, out. Of- don't get this time. We'll get left back. We'll have to come back and repeat this lesson. So, let's look more more deeply into it. It is all within, but that doesn't just mean within oneself. Look deeper. It's within every moment. Within whoever you are with, also, within everything. The light is even in the shadows. Look deeper, friends. Thank you.
1: Oh. Uh-huh beautifully said. To learn more about Lama Surya Das, please visit www.surya.org. On Twitter, you can find him at Lama Surya Das and on Facebook, Lama Surya Das. Once again, the book, the most recent book, there are several, is Make Me One with Everything, Buddhist Meditations to Awaken from the Illusion of Separation. And I thank you and bless you for being with me today. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you very much, Lisa, and blessings to you and to all who are traveling with us. Love to you.
1: And right back at you. Here come the tunes. We shall return.
3: We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break.
0: Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress Cayman has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life. Available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.HarvestingHappinessTalkRadio.com
4: Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on
3: iTunes. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness, because happiness is a choice, and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen.
1: Well, when we think about facing our demons, you know, facing the things that scare us most, What comes to my mind is battling the meanest enemy of us all. And that's, my friends, I believe to be ourselves. My first guest has written a beautiful book entitled Make Peace with Your Mind, How Mindfulness and Compassion Can Free You from Your Inner Critic. Mark Coleman is the author of this book. He is the founder of the Mindful Institute and has an M.A. in Clinical Psychology. Mark has guided students on five continents as a corporate consultant, counselor, meditation teacher, and wilderness guide. And he's coming to us today from Northern California. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for joining us.
4: Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here.
1: Pleasure to have you. I love this topic of the inner critic. I am um, I am helping people do battle with that nasty one every day.
4: <laughs> it's pretty common. I mean, I barely meet person who I tell about the book who says, Oh, I've got one of those. Please let me read it because I need help with all those mean voices rattling around in my head.
1: Yeah. It's the it is the choir that uh, resides, I think. It's not just one. It's sometimes right. it's several.
4: <laughs> yeah, no, I have a chapter I think in there called The Inner Boardroom that, you know, it really is a cluster of voices. You know, one is a taskmaster telling us we, we wanted to work hardest when another is Um, you know, the sort of police around what we say. And then there's the, the voice that, you know, on our case about our health and our looks and our beauty. And yeah, so there's a whole team we have to contend with.
1: I work with a lot of young adults. And when I talk about the inner critic and the voices of sabotage, they usually come back with, oh, that's K-F-U-C and we'll bleep out the last letter F-M. And we all have this station programmed into our minds.
4: Yes, I know. It starts at a very young age. I mean it, it starts as a as a somewhat necessary piece of our survival to how to, to navigate, you know, families and society. As a young person, we need to fit in and optimize love and and secure the attachment of our loved ones. But over time it becomes this stronger force that is uh, predominantly negative and and is attacking our sense of worth and value. And sadly, it's very distorted and inaccurate. And if we listen to it, we feel, you know, we feel sad, we feel bad, we feel depressed, we feel shame. And uh, it's really an unhealthy uh, part of our psyche that we need to really contend with.
1: You mentioned about the, the negative side. And I, I think this really ties into neuroscience and the the, the brains, um, that fight or flight response, right? It's about safety, that the, that the negativity bias is really about uh, attempting to keep us safe in a very primitive way
4: yes yes so you know we are we are needing that safety when we're young and um and it does dovetail with that negatively biased brain that's always scanning for threats and that's how we've survived as a species but what happens is the, the, the those two those two um processes that the critic and the survival negative bias they kind of merge in a certain way and so we tend to develop this outlook that's very uh only oriented around the negative what's wrong what's problematic particularly with ourselves but it also equally goes out to others a chapter in the book called the swing doorway goes in and out depending on who's around us and um when that voice gathers strength when, when we listen to it when we give it authority and power um it can really affect how we see ourselves and affect our sense of well-being and and happiness
1: Agreed. You, uh, in reading your bio, I learned that you are a former punk rocker. And I think it's important to share this with our listeners, because um, if you look at your photo today, you're you're an attractive man of a certain age, you know, in the ripe, juicy middle of life. And as parents, many of us have teens that might be exploring themselves. Give us hope.
4: (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, I was a particularly young, angry uh punk rocker i was an anarchist i was squatting houses in london i was you know really political and um and everything was seen through this veil of negativity and anger and i thought the problem was out there you know and there's of course there's plenty of problems out there and it's very easy to find an object to a target to justify our anger and um but i was also deeply unhappy and that that negativity and that that Uh, hatred was also pointed towards myself and I was somewhat unconsciously looking for a way out of that pain because I was pretty unhappy and miserable and I stumbled across a meditation center that was teaching um, basic you know buddhist practices of mindfulness of awareness of kindness and compassion and I immediately gravitated to the people who seemed to have a lovely quality of presence and, 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 and groundedness that I hadn't seen around me. And I also um, realized that I could, you know, that it, what it taught me is it turned, I, I learned to turn my attention inwards to look at my own mind and see that so much of my own anguish was coming from how I was viewing and treating and talking to myself. And that's when things began to change. So there is hope
1: there is definitely hope. And, and I, I like the story of your story of transformation because it really illustrates how um, sometimes we have to go through these difficult times and the value of suffering in that mindfulness process to come home to oneself.
4: Yeah, I think, you know, if all of us were swimming around in bliss and happiness, I don't think any of us would do much inner work or therapy or meditation or whatever else that helps to wake us up and evolve. And I know for most of my students, they walk through the door because there's some kind of stress or pain or hurt or suffering. And um, and so we can use that, you know, pain is what transforms us. It's it's, um, you know, as as Lenny Cohen says, you know, it's the crack in the heart that lets the light in, you know. And so we can use that. We can use that impetus from pain to really look and to understand what really brings uh, a thriving, flourishing life.
1: In your book, Make Peace With Your Mind, How Mindfulness and Compassion Can Free You From Your Inner Critic, the book, you, you offer quite a lot of very simple and, um, easy to digest and apply tools. Talk a little bit about that.
4: Yeah, so um, after each chapter, there's a practice or a technique, and there's a chapter called the Inner Critic Toolkit, which is a variety of techniques to work with a critic. So the the subtitle of the book is How Mindfulness and Compassion Can Free from the Inner Critic. And so those two skills, mindfulness, which is basically awareness, self-awareness, Uh, And compassion, I think, are the two foundational skills and the awareness is necessary, because if we're not present, if we're not aware of the thoughts in our head, they'll just keep going. If we're not aware of how negatively judgmental uh, and, and inaccurate they are, we'll believe them. And so we need to recognize, we need to name the thoughts, we need to create some space between the thoughts and us. and then the compassion is necessary because you know the whole thing is really painful. I mean, to listen to this voice that's telling you you're not you're bad, you're not good enough, you should have done more, you made a mistake, you did it wrong over and over, of course, it's a recipe for for sadness and depression, which is what I think the the the, the critic leads to it is a sense of depression and, and uh, low self-esteem. So we need kindness. We need to see ourselves um, with care, and we need to see ourselves accurately. And um, you know, one of my favorite strategies, and that I talk about a lot about in the book, and is how I teach about this theme is humor. You know, it's 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 not an easy topic to teach about because it's kind of heavy, but um, the critic, um, you know, is. You know, it, if you listen to it, its voice is a little crazy. And uh, you know, one, <laughs> the, one of my teachers gave me this practice. said, "Try counting your judgments every day. Just see how many you get to." And you know, I was on this intensive retreat, and you know, one you know one day it was two hundred and eighteen. The next day it was four hundred and fifty-three, and then it was seven hundred and ninety-one. And I was like, "Wait a minute, this is just ridiculous." I mean, I would if if you if we let our best friend walk around, you know, behind us all day saying that was terrible, that was stupid, well you messed that up, you did that wrong, you forgot to do that, I mean, we wouldn't put up with that for a second, but we let this voice in our head just go round and round and round and round, and so we need to see it, we need to let go of it, we need to sometimes say no, we need to inquire into whether it's really accurate or not, we need to be kind with ourselves, and we need to see the humor of it, i I had a recent book party and I, I bought this um, barrister's wig, you know, the English judges is <laughs> gray, like, uh, bad, you're all bad, you know, because it, it is crazy, and, but it's not crazy if we listen to it. And that's the key. We need to see it, recognize it, see that it's just a point of view, right? It's, it's not really reality. It's just a point of view that's distorted, inaccurate, that we need to release <clears throat>
1: yeah, I, I, I love what you've just described, you know, that it's a distorted, inaccurate view, and it really um, defines what we're talking about with mindfulness. Right now, it's a buzzword, you know, mindfulness is out there. It's like the little black dress of psychology. And, and really what you're talking about is bringing our awareness to what's happening and being, I think, a bit more discrimin- uh, discriminating in how we evaluate.
4: Yes, it's true. Mindfulness is the the you know the topic du jour in psychology and the self help and and even the business and the education world, you know. And, and there's a reason for that. It does work. It's very effective. It's a foundational human skill. We all have it, and we can all develop and grow it, and we can train through meditation and other ways to develop mindfulness we're
1: going to we're actually going to mindfully dash off to a quick break and when we return we'll carry on the conversation with Mark Coleman once again the book we are talking about today is make peace with your mind how mindfulness and compassion can free you from your inner critic to connect with mark please visit markcoleman.org on twitter that handle is at @markcoleman365 and on facebook mark Coleman meditation teacher, and there's a hyphen between each of those words. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back, and that is a mindful promise.
3: We know that life is tough, and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Cayman on TogiNet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org.
4: Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes.
3: Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on TogiNet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on TogiNet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen
1: welcome back to harvesting happiness talk radio if you're just joining us now i urge you to download and share this podcast why because sharing is caring it's kind it's free it's legal we are available to you 24 7 and we are talking with mark coleman about his new book make peace with your mind we're talking about the inner critic and how to silence the choir that lives in our heads Mark, you make a very interesting point in your book about um, accomplishing things if we stop listening to the inner critic. Is the inner critic of value in any way?
4: Right. Well, some would argue that there is in that it's trying to help us, you know, whether it's not forget things or do things better or improve or get out of bed in the morning. Um, But the problem with the critic is it's... it judges us in a way that's shaming. And when we feel shame, we feel collapsed, we feel small, we feel stupid. And it's not the place that we're really gonna be motivated to do something. We're motivated out of inspiration, out of positivity, out of possibility, out of uh hope. And so um, you know, I hear this a lot. People say, Oh, you know, how can I do my work? I'm a lawyer, I need that quick judgment. And I make this important distinction in the book, and there's a chapter devoted to it that we need to make the distinction between judging the way I'm using it, which is a negatively laden emotional kind of attack on who we are as a person and our goodness and uh, a discerning, assessing, evaluating, discriminating thought where we, you know, we need all those essential discerning skills to navigate life, make choices, but the judgments basically just make us feel bad and worse. And they're not healthy places to motivate us and even if we do use them to be motivated from it's never enough it's never enough work it's never enough money it's never enough success it's never enough health and so and the more we listen to that voice the stronger it gets we want to find other ways to motivate ourselves out of inspiration uh, out of our conscience out of you know love for our body etc
1: I am thinking about this, this uh, capacity to judge. And when we judge ourselves and we're very judgy or judgmental of others, we're really projecting part of our business out onto the world.
4: Right. And we do a lot of projecting business out onto the world. You know, <laughs> I said that there is this, you know, the phenomenon I call the swing door, you know, that what we judge inside, we judge outside. If we like spending the day judging everybody we see at work and, on the street we come home and there's, all there's left is us so we're going to be on the end of that judging sword so it's just really important you know the basis of neuroplasticity is you know um what wires together fires together and so what we practice we become and if we want to um be a very critical negative judging person then all we need to do is practice that all day which we might but if we want to be a kind caring generous um, optimistic person, then we we can, we do have that choice to orient our attention and our mind that way. But it does take some practice. It does take some awareness. It does take some shifting that negative habit.
1: And, you know, talking about judgments and um, the United States has just gone through an election. Um, many people are not very happy with the outcome of the election. And I hear People talking about experiencing depression, feeling sick. In some cases, I heard stories of people not even getting out of bed for days after the election. And the reality of it is change is the only constant that we know for sure. And how do you uh, advise people that come to you and cannot get past obstacles, the election being one of many, um, that are that they are confronted by?
4: Yeah, no, it, for sure, it's very worrying times um, and what's happening in the, the upcoming administration and the various appointments that have people who have very, in my perspective, very con- worrying histories, um, yes. whether it's connections to the far right or to big oil lobby interests. Um, and certainly the environment's going to be under attack. And as, as you know, a ra- wave of racism and homophobia, which is very uh, distressing. And, um, you know, two things that I am I, talking about as a, as a teacher in this realm. One is um, I do take heart in the fact that there's an unprecedented waking up of people who realize they can't just be complacent and hope that uh, everything's going to be OK there in Washington and in the streets and uh, everywhere else that we actually do need to be much more actively engaged. And I see that across the political spectrum. I see it from my spiritual colleagues and teachers, um, so I'm 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 feel hope about that. And then also the second thing is um, uh, we don't know what's coming down the pipe, and there's a lot of catastrophizing, uh, which may be <laughs> yes, that's so true. <laughs> you know, as 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 President Obama said, um, you come in thinking you're a freight train, but you get slowed down and bogged in the marshes because you you have to. Move through the, the mire of Washington administration and bureaucracy, and so even though it seems scary and it is scary, I think from my perspective, that actually um, much, can, much less can get done than, it, than, than we realize, and we need to still be very vigilant and active and engaged. Um,
1: you know and and i I see your point uh, in fear and caution, and i and I do agree with you, by the way, but the other side of it in in clients who've asked me, you know how do you deal with the uncertainty, i I sort of rein it in and take it back to the self and controlling the things that we can, you know, our side of the street, and that comes from the discipline of mindfulness and 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 holding a compassionate heart, not only for ourselves. But for others, because at the end of the day, our struggles, no matter where we sit in the world, are basically the same. We are all wanting that same sense of peace, safety, and happiness, and contentment.
4: Yeah, I think one of the biggest um, mistakes that I see um, is that is we we overlook. I think for the most part, as humans, we have the same values. We you know we want safety, we want you know thriving conditions for our family um you know and we want uh you know community and loving friendships and you know and prosperous you know economy and whatnot but we disagree on the the ideology to get there and we've had so many wars uh around ideology and i think it is important at this time to also see that there's so much more we have in common that divides us even though that what divides us is also, you know, we can't overlook that. If it's racism, we can't overlook that. If it's sexism, we can't overlook that. Um, But it's also important to see these people are just like me, that they may have voted differently to me, but they may have voted out of the same reason that they thought this was the best thing I could do for my kids or my grandchildren or for my community. And whether we think that's deluded or not, we do share that same value that they want the best for their family and themselves and and their children, um, and so we need to find that commonality, and 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 then and then try to work together to look at the distortion that's that's played out in the media and by politicians that's actually have, making people vote against their own best interest.
1: In your book, "Make Peace with Your Mind," you have a beautiful practice. It's a brief meditation that really speaks to the heart of what we're talking about and I'm hoping that you might read it out loud for us.
4: Yes, I'd be happy to. So this is a practice called Just Like Me, and it's a way of both developing empathy and also seeing how no matter how so different somebody looks politically, socially, economically, racially, that we're all essentially just like me. It goes like this. This exercise can help can helps cut through the usual barriers that make us feel separate or different from others. It is a way we can actively sense our connection with other people, partly by focusing on our shared human experience. Next time you're talking with someone in a meeting at work, looking at others in a cafe or on the street or at your children's school with other parents reflect on these phrases, just like me, this person wants to be happy. Just like me, this person wishes to be free of pain and stress. Just like me, this person has a body subject to aches and pains and aging. Just like me, this person has had many joys and successes. Just like me, this person has felt sadness, loss and pain. Just like me, this person desires to love and be loved. Just like me, this person aspires to do their best in life. Just like me, this person wants peace and happiness at the end of the day. As you do this, notice how it makes you feel. Does it allow for any sense of feeling connected? Know that you can return to this sentiment in any moment and see how it can transform your experience of someone as being other to seeing them as being just like you with all your shared human experiences. Try to practice saying these phrases wherever you go. You can also do this exercise as a meditation where you sit quietly, call to mind particular people, and say the phrases to yourself. Saying these Mm. phrases... It's particularly useful when you are having a conflict or challenging time with someone. The more you can sense the similarity between you and them and see that they are not other, the more likely you'll be able to feel a sense of connection and find it easier to relate to them.
1: Ah, beautiful. Thanks. That's That's quite a powerful practice right there.
4: It is. And in this particular political climate, I think it's really essential to see the commonality, not the difference, because there is so much that connects yeah. us.
1: Yeah. Uh, th- this is uh, one that was taught to me, this meditation, many years ago. And I was really, it took my breath away because it's so simple and so it's challenging for some of us to do this, but it is a place where we meet. You know, it's Rumi's field, right?
4: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What's it? What has the girl teach me a place to see? that we are not other, I forget how beautiful he puts it, but, um, yeah, no, it's, I mean, every spiritual tradition points to this possibility that we can see our non-separation that we can see that we're all in the same boat and certainly ecologically now we're seeing, you know, what one country does here, polluting here, it's going to affect people in Greenland and Borneo. And so hopefully we're waking up to this, This sense of, you know, we, we are all in this together. And we either thrive or not together. So that's my prayer for the world.
1: And I will um, amen that. (laughs) Mine as well. I think that that really is all of our, our prayer for the world, but we see it from very different perspectives. And I think the point of what your book is trying to make is that when we soften our heart and we soften ourselves and we see ourselves as connected and enjoined and needing one another, that perhaps, um, that's where the paradigm shifts. We are out of time, Mark Coleman. I want to once again give the title of your beautiful book, Make Peace with Your Mind, How Mindfulness and Compassion Can Free You from Your Inner Critic. It's got wit, wisdom, practical tools. To learn more about Mark Coleman and his work, please visit markcoleman.org. On Twitter, that handle is markcoleman365. And on Facebook, Mark. Coleman, meditation teacher, with a hyphen between each of those words. Mark Coleman, thank you for being with us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio.
4: Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here.
1: Pleasure to have you. Here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. It simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, Place and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa cypress Kamen wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio is produced in collaboration with TogiNet and KBUU and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange. Go out and rock your day.
0: Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa cypress Cayman. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new broadcast and continue to harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on iTunes and SoundCloud. To learn more about Lisa's global practice as an applied positive psychology coach specializing in lifestyle management as well as addiction and trauma recovery services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook. Facebook. Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness.